0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10.01 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 14th of October 2022. This is episode 631 a Bitcoin and Boost. I got some more boostograms from the last show, uh, and I just, I don't know, man. I just, I, I like reading these things too much. So I'm just going to start the show with CryoSats, 9,999 sats, no message. Come on, CryoSats, give me give me something. Write something next time. Letter 6173 with the Striper Boost as usual. Maximalist are the white blood cells of the financial system. I read that one yesterday. Uh, let's see. Cryosat sends another one. Oh, a rose sticks. One thousand one hundred and eleven satoshis. Uh, ooh, oh, a bunch of a uh, bunch of emojis here. Let's see. Uh, got a snowflake, snowman, love, corn, mountain, and a lightning bolt. Uh, let's see. Greggy says sends five hundred satoshis. My favorite place to get updated on Bitcoin. And Jim Leahy, I've already said it, but I'll say it again. Keep on keeping on. You rock, brother. Yeah, again, thank you. And then I got one boost from yesterday's show. If you don't use Bitcoin as your denominator when calculating wealth, then you are already behind the game letter with a Striper boost. Awesome. I love the boost. I really do, guys. It's, just my, it's become my favorite part of the show. It's so cool to have that kind of interaction. And that kind of interaction has been given to us by Podcasting 2.0. If you want to support the show, Podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. You can stream me Satoshis while I stream you these dulcet tones, and you can send me messages via Boostagrams. Now onto the news, Bitcoin Magazine, Sean Amick, Bitcoin gaming company, ZBD, Launches open source Bitcoin Development Nonprofit. ZBD, a Bitcoin gaming company, has announced No Big Deal, a non-profit dedicated to furthering open source development for Bitcoin and the Lightning Network per release sent to Bitcoin magazine. Quote, NBD, aka no big deal, does not sell anything doesn't offer services it doesn't support products said andre neves co-founder and cto of zbd quote it just writes code and gives it to the world to do with it as they will end quote currently nbd has already contributed to a number of projects for instance the non-profit provided code for open bitcoin wallet which is an advanced non-custodial lightning wallet that can support hosted channels Additionally, Poncho, which is a core lightning plugin and a daemon to enable a uh, hosted channel support for nodes known as cliche, have both received contributions from NBD. Furthermore, The nonprofit also contributed to Immortan, a lightning network library that provides plug and play developer capabilities and LN metrics, a data comparison tool to determine optimal lightning nodes, have also received contributions from NBD. Quote, we basically created an entire suite of tools for the modern sovereign individual from the client you'd use to set up a node to the wallet you'd use to manage your funds in a self-sovereign way, said Neves. The company has focused much of its contributions thus far on hosted channel support and the Lightning Network. Hosted channels are used to make moving funds across Lightning easier and less capital intensive by removing the need to lock up funds the downside to locking up funds creates an obvious need for Bitcoin reserves, which some users do not have the liquidity to sustain. The important thing to note about these specific contributions is the continued expansion of hosted channel support and the continued growth of the Lightning Network, removing the need for custodial services such as the ones offered by ZBD themselves. Quote, this opens the door to more people running their own software, clients, and infrastructure instead of using for profit services like ZBD. But that's kind of the point of Bitcoin, so it's no big deal, reads the release. Okay, so now even ZBD is getting into supporting the Lightning Network, Lightning developers through a not for profit uh, arm of, of a gaming company. I- you know, and ZBD is a small gaming company. It's not like they're just rolling around in cash, right? This is you know, th- this kind this kind of thing affects their bottom line. But all all these people are doing this. They're all supporting the Lightning Network. They're trying to support developers directly. You know, it's 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 so heartening to see that nobody You, this, this, the bear market really is where you see the people that were swimming with no swim trunks because they go, Oh, shit, they cover their private parts and they bail out of the beach and because they're so embarrassed. But the people that were really wearing swimming trunks, the OGs, they're still out there. They're still out there. They're still playing. They're playing on the beach and they're making things better for all of us. And, you know, I wish that they had put in where uh, ZBD or I wish ZBD would have put in where people could send in support for them, but I don't, I don't see that in, in this article. Uh, ZBD, I think you can get that at zbd.io. That's Z-E-B-E-D-E-E dot I-O. And maybe they got something up there on their webpage. So go take a look. How BIP bounties will supercharge the Bitcoin network. Ari Dashapel, I think is how you pronounce it, from Bitcoin Magazine. The idea that Bitcoin lacks innovation compared to other cryptocurrencies is pervasive. But is it true? The Bitcoin protocol undergoes significant changes much more slowly than other cryptocurrencies. The latest, of course, being the implementation and activation of Taproot. But this is a feature not a bug. As the foundation of a massive open-source ecosystem, changes should be well thought out and should consistently demonstrate widespread consensus that the benefits of the change outweighs the cost. While true and generally accepted, this line of thinking can also be a cop-out. It's important to recognize the necessity of consensus, but we must think deeply about what consensus means, how it is achieved, and how we could potentially improve on how it happens. Overall, the idea that slow development is a better pattern is simply an awful heuristic and a false dichotomy. The options available to the Bitcoin community's protocol development are infinitely more varied and nuanced than simply slow or fast. Careful, comprehensive, deliberate, inclusive, all of these adjectives do a much better job of describing what the Bitcoin community should actually aim to facilitate. This explicit wording is important. For whatever values we subscribe to will be used to judge initiatives and efforts. And the only aspiring ideal worse than slow is likely fast. The simple passage of time does nothing on its own to ensure a Bitcoin improvement proposal receives more eyeballs, reviews, serious consideration or engagement. It also does nothing to ensure that the developer community is focusing its finite efforts and attention on the right areas. The proper framing. If we seek to defend innovation in the Bitcoin community, the easiest way to do so would be to point at the truly expansive body of continuous research and development in the Bitcoin dev mailing group and other forms of technical information exchange. It is undeniable that Bitcoin boasts a huge mindshare of world-class programmers, cryptographers, mathematicians, economists, and more, these individuals continue to wrestle with pivotal, pivotal problems, such as implementing greater degrees of privacy and scaling the greater Bitcoin network to global throughput without losing the very characteristics that make it Bitcoin. This community is delightfully and intentionally unstructured and informal. There exists no standardized process by which any idea or proposed proposal graduates to becoming included into Bitcoin. The only way for a proposal to reach eventual inclusion is to receive the extensive attention, support, and subsequent work from the community required to do so. From the research and analysis required to convince the community that the benefits significantly outweigh the costs to the breakdowns and communication necessary to motivate the wider ecosystem to upgrade software and prepare use cases to the actual work of finalizing and implementing the code itself. Maintaining and supercharging this process is essential, and while it will always be slower than a standardized and formalized system in a relative sense, there is always room for improvement to make it happen more effectively on its own terms. Fixing incentives. The knee-jerk impulse to fight against any assertion that the Bitcoin development process is not ideal or that it can benefit from improvement is usually based on the implicit assumption that any effort to improve it necessarily means adding more centralization and control. However, this is far from true, just as the Lightning Network debunked the claim that increasing transacting scalability necessitated increasing the block size. Similarly, BIP bounties are an attempt at improving the incentives driving Bitcoin development and consensus building. Administered by the Lincoln Network, a nonprofit organization focused on fostering technologies that support human liberty, BIPBounty.org BIP collects donations to fund standardized bounties earmarked for specific BIPs. Although it only lists one bounty at the moment, this structure is designed to accomplish the following. One. Through tax deductions, it incentivizes community members and organizations to show interest in and financial support for proposals by putting their money where their mouths are. Two, it gives the open source Bitcoin development community strong comparative signals regarding which areas the community is most interested in and which have higher potential financial ROI for them to attune their focus. The ba- oh, three, the bounty options for BIPs are designed to move the ball forward on concrete deliverables representing the inputs necessary for the community to come to consensus or not on any particular proposal. This includes written reviews, analysis, and various classes of bug or vulnerability discoveries. Four, it does all of the above in an opt-in and non-centralizing way that maintains the spirit of the Bitcoin project. Many developers may not pay any particular interest to bounties and that's fine too. Beginning with BIP 119. BIP bounty.org sprang out of the concept from the BIP 119 controversy. In December of 2021, the BIP's author, Jeremy Rubin, placed a bug bounty on his own BIP via Twitter. Very quickly, other supporters of the BIP threw in their hats and offered their own complimentary bounties. The total bounty amount quickly snowballed. That this happened completely spontaneously and organically was a tremendous sign of pent-up community willingness and demand to dedicate financial resources to move the ball forward on discourse and consensus. Naturally, BIPBounty.org has begun with the BIP-119 bounties, but as a project, it has no aims in regard to any specific BIP. Its goal is to encompass all BIPs and allow the Bitcoin community itself to decide which proposals are of greater interest and worthy of their tax-deductible contributions. Getting started! BIPBounty.org is new and is attempting to tackle an ambitious problem. The hypothesis by which we will evaluate our efforts is that there is community interest for such an endeavor beyond a one-time interest in the context of a single BIP. By enabling that, we can sustainably accelerate research and development deliverables and discourse across BIPs. All of this requires community buy-in and engagement. And most crucial at this early stage is feedback. To that end, we at Lincoln Network hope that the best and brightest of the Bitcoin community will continue to engage with us and help us in our efforts to drive effective, collaborative, and sustainable Bitcoin development. All right. So, was it bipbounty.org? B-I-P-B-O-U-N-T-Y dot org. Go check it out. See if it's something that you want to be a part of and, you know, give over your time and treasure and talent if you so choose, if you think that this is a worthy and viable situation. I, you know, I, I think the idea is great. However, you know, it's, you know, could it be gamed by bad actors? I I automatically go to adversarial thinking, you know, is there a way that you can game, you know, a system like this by, uh, I don't know, putting up, Putting up real money on things like, I don't know how to say this, how to say, um, brigading a bad BIP in favor of a good BIP. And yes, I know the technicalities between the words good and bad are, are really, really misleading, but just bear with me. Let's say there's two BIPs and one really does focus on privacy, One real, you know, it it really focuses on something that, that, you know, all of us can really get behind and, you know, two or three people donate to that BIP and kind of jack it up in the, in the thing. And then there's another BIP. Maybe the BIP itself was put in by a bad actor or something, you know, like a proposal, because that's what a BIP is, a Bitcoin improvement proposal. Somebody makes a proposal, it's complete shit and completely tears apart something like, I don't know, maybe let's just keep it easy and say it's a proposal for bigger blocks. And then the brigade comes and they just put their real money behind this false BIP to put it in front of a good BIP. You see what I'm saying? I don't know if that's anything that we should worry about. However, what I've come to discover in this space is that if you are not thinking adversarially, from the very beginning on everything, then somebody's already beat you to the punch. It's very important that we continue to think in adversarial ways. Otherwise, there's other people out there that are trying to figure out how to really screw this system up. We all need to be vigilant. That's just all I'm saying. Now, uh, El Salvador focused on bringing investment to Bitcoin city says ambassador, Prashant Jha from Cointelegraph, El Salvador, of course, it became the first nation to make Bitcoin a legal tender in September of last year, yes, we know, it is currently focused on building a Bitcoin city. There have been several delays and disruptions in the plan since its announcement last year, owning to the bear or owing to the bear market-led investment drought and geopolitical tensions. Cointelegraph reporter Joseph Hall got in touch with Hector Enrique Xelere? Levarande it's a long name, the deputy ambassador of El Salvador to the kingdom of the Netherlands to get some insights into the country's progress with its much-hyped project. Verde. I think is how you pronounce it, Verde told Cointelegraph that the government is following a first-come, 1st serve basis where businesses that are early with their investment will get better profits. He explained, quote, the dream of El Salvador is to have a Bitcoin city and from there to make our society bigger, stronger. We are trying to attract more and more investments to this area so we can develop these communities." End "Quote," The deputy ambassador noted that BTC use in the country has definitely made an impact. He also invited people to the country to see for themselves how BTC is changing lives. The iconic Bitcoin city was announced in November of last year. It would be partially funded by the sales of $1 billion of Bitcoin Volcano bonds, the world's first cryptocurrency sovereign debt product. The debt product was a center of attraction at the bull market's peak. However, several delays in the past and a downturn in the bear market have cast a shadow of uncertainty. Last month, Bitfinex Chief Technology Officer Paulo Aduino told Cointelegraph that they were awaiting a license of issuance from the government first, which would be granted after the passing of the digital securities bill that was slated for September. However, there hasn't been any update on the launch of the Bitcoin bond midway through October. Yeah, so they were supposed to pass that shit last month and they didn't. And I honestly, I can't blame them. However, This is fodder for people like, you know, Krugman and Peter Schiff and all the rest of, you know, the people that just really can't stand Bitcoin. And somehow or another, they say, this is why Bitcoin failed when it has absolutely nothing to do at all with Bitcoin itself. It's the people behind the system that has decided to either, you know, delay it or whatever the problems are, are human caused, not Bitcoin caused. So let's see here. Let's do this one from Bitcoin Magazine, written by the Bitcoin General. Learning about Bitcoin is the path to financial freedom. Bitcoin breaks the financial bonds created by the monopolization of money. For decades, the legacy financial establishment has capitalized on its position to manage wealth for the vast majority of investors. On January 3rd, 2009, Satoshi Nakamoto did something revolutionary. He mined the Genesis block of Bitcoin. After witnessing the scandalous events of the great financial crash in 2008, enough was enough. Big banks engaged in reckless conduct with predatory lending practices and incessant greed that drove the world into a global recession. Then came the massive corporate bailouts via the money printer. Enter Bitcoin. Bitcoin forged a new path forward. It was a new opportunity to pursue wealth and financial independence for the commoner. The grip of the financial elites was slowly loosened as a new digital asset class was created to loosen the grips of government-controlled domestic money. Bitcoin is the money of the people because no central bank or government controls it. In fact, many governments are so threatened by it, many have imposed heavy restrictions on its use or outright banned it. Bitcoin is a vehicle of financial independence. It creates... More financial freedom to the individual and keeps government overreach in check with its robust network. The resistance of the legacy financial and elite establishment only galvanized this point further. The International Monetary Fund's disapproval of Bitcoin is very telling. Bitcoin is a threat to the status quo and its strongest proponents know it. Change is on the horizon, but it's slow. The legacy financial industry mostly remains critical of Bitcoin. Because of the benefits of self-custody, Bitcoin eliminates the need for these legacy institutions, or at least reduces their role. thanks to Nakamoto, nearly every human being on this earth can now exercise the option of self-custody of their wealth and savings. Of course, one would be remiss in not acknowledging the learning curve of Bitcoin. Those who are very tech savvy will pick it up more quickly, but one can also dive in as deep as they are comfortable doing. If running a node seems too complex, it doesn't eliminate the options available to use Bitcoin as a digital media of exchange. When it comes to Bitcoin, investors need to assess their own risk and their tolerance and their time preference and proceed accordingly. For some, the highs and lows of Bitcoin might prove to be too much, and for others, not so much. One primary benefit is freedom. Freedom to purchase, hold, or transfer holdings anywhere one desires in the world in record time at a minimal cost. Bitcoin is freedom from the shackles of big banks who work on their time, set their own non-negotiable and exorbitant fees. The sad reality is the pursuit of financial sovereignty has become punishable crimes in many parts of the world. We saw this in Canada last year when Prime Minister Justin Trudeau froze bank accounts of citizens who did not align with his political beliefs. This was a textbook definition of government overreach. Of course, it should go without saying that all citizens should pay their income taxes and not use a digital asset class to evade these obligations. One should never condone breaking the law. But choosing the path of financial independence through Nakamoto's ingenious digital innovation is an option that can no longer be ignored. For those who no longer want to trust the legacy system with their hard-earned money, human ingenuity has blazed a new trail. The big banks have monopolized money for long enough. They have profited, gamed the system, defrauded the masses, and manipulated their way to the top, all in the name of greed. Seeing top financial executives outwardly attack Bitcoin proves even further that they see it as a threat. A remote villager in rural Africa can now own Bitcoin with as little as $50, a $50 phone. I have even heard of some remote communities using good old-fashioned handwritten paper ledgers to buy Bitcoin where the internet access was limited. And the beauty of it all is Bitcoin's deflationary nature. It is the antithesis of the fiat system, which is perpetually inflationary. This is not to say that market dips will not affect Bitcoin. At the time of this writing, Bitcoin is experiencing a experiencing a significant dip that has created great amounts of FUD. To win in Bitcoin is to run the marathon. One hodler once described it as a head game that challenges you at every level. Indeed, the dips will impact some of us. The volatility in Bitcoin will test the nerves of many and possibly even force them to reassess their risk tolerance. There is no advisor to blame, no stock broker to ream out, No fund manager to fire. One must take the time to learn the protocol, understand its potential and jump into the roller coaster. We've seen some extreme highs and some stomach churning lows. Those with more aversion to risk may need to consider not being leveraged on Bitcoin. Don't be under any illusions. Bitcoin is still a risk asset in 2022, but given the current global financial situation today, it appears to be outperforming the legacy stock market on a whole as this unprecedented bear market trend continues. A seasoned investor with years in the trenches once said, you need to be ready to take a punch. The punch may never come, but you'll be in a much better psychological position if you are ready for it. Hodling takes balls. As simple as it sounds, it's more than just a linear buy and hold strategy. We need to do our homework. We need to educate ourselves and learn the protocol and all its potential. Study the critics, watch the debates, and learn the arguments of the naysayers. The point is not to agree with them. The point is to educate oneself to know if Bitcoin is the right investment tool for them. Central bank manipulation is at an all-time high. The recent UK bond market multi-billion dollar government buyback is just one example. Fiat values will continue to decline. Central banks will continue to debase domestic currencies and because most of us are paid with this currency, they will continue to develop, or sorry, continue to devalue our personal net worth. Policymakers will continue to improvise and manipulate the system. Remember, they still get their weekly paychecks no matter what, so they have no real skin in the game. Bitcoin is a break from tradition, a tradition that has essentially let us all down. Again, by the Bitcoin General and Bitcoin Magazine, that's an interesting way to look about what look at the macro landscape of the past, what's been done to us, what's continually being done to us and what will continue to be done to us if we don't stop it. Bitcoin is a way to stop it guys. Buy Bitcoin, hold Bitcoin, and you know you might not want to actually get into anything else because MakerDAO revenue has tumbled 86% on Ether and wrapped BTC woes. Luke Hoogslut from Coin Telegraph tells us more. MakerDAO, the governing body of the Maker Protocol, has seen its revenue plummet in the third quarter of 2022 caused by the fall in loan demand and few liquidations while expenses has remained high. According to an October 13th tweet by Johnny TVL, a Missouri analyst and co-author of The State of Maker Q3 2022, the Decentralized Autonomous Organization, or DAO, saw its revenue plunge to just over $4 million in Q3, which is down 86% from the previous quarter. One of the results of this has been Maker MakerDAO's first quarter of net income loss since 2020. The Mazari senior research analyst has pointed to few liquidations and weak loan demand as the reasons for the drop in revenue. Its two biggest earners, Ether and wrapped Bitcoin, have performed poorly in the last quarter with revenue from ETH-based assets falling 74% and revenue from BTC-based assets falling 66%. Borrowers use these cryptocurrencies as collateral for loans of the DAI, stablecoin, sorry, excuse me, collateral for loans of the DAI stablecoin, providing some security from volatility often seen within cryptocurrency markets at the cost of interest paid on the loans. The analyst also pointed to a fall in the collateral ratio of MakerDAO, suggesting the ratio has fallen to 1.1 from 1.9 at the same time last year. However, expenses are not so elastic, said the analyst, with the report showing that expensive expenses have remained high in the quarter at $13.5 million, falling only 16% from the previous quarter. Meanwhile, MakerDAO has recently taken steps to increase the return on asset it holds in collateral, having commenced a proposal to invest $500 million in treasuries and bonds. MakerDAO believes this will provide the protocol with low-risk additional yield. One other positive for MakerDAO was the growth in real-world asset-backed loans, which now account for 12% of its total revenue after it successfully rolled out its largest Uh, RWA-backed loan to Huntington Valley Bank in the third quarter of 2022. The loan, which involved the creation of a vault with 100 million die, constitutes a new collateral type in the Maker Protocol, which can help it generate additional revenue through vault stability fees associated with maintaining the vault and minting die. HVB is still able to benefit from this integration as it allows the bank to effectively increase its legal lending limit and MakerDAO hopes that if all goes smoothly over other banks will follow behind HVB. Uh, Why read this to you about Ether? Hopefully it seems to me that people are coming to their senses about taking out loans against collateral that is an Apparently, kind of still risky. Now, risky in the short term. It's not for me. Bitcoin is is not risky in the long term, but Ethereum and Ether and wrapped BTC, all of that shit is 100% risk. Bitcoin, not so much. But these other instrumentations being used to secure loans in this particular environment is probably the stupidest thing that I've ever seen done and yet people still fall, fall into that hole. Let that not be you. Let it not be you that is in that hole when shit goes sideways or plummets back to earth. This has happened before, it will happen again. Buy Bitcoin, hold Bitcoin, let's run the numbers. Before we get into some of the uh, commodities and stuff, I want to make a, a small note here about, uh, it's like MEV ETH. It's a website that keeps track on since the merge of Ethereum, how many blocks are coming through that are quote unquote OFAC compliant. As of today, that number has crossed 51%. It's only been, a, you know, just a, a handful of weeks, not even that since the merge and already over half of the Ethereum chain blocks are OFAC compliant. In fact, I ran, I was using the website to run uh, what it looked like over the last five minutes and it was 55%. The 51% number comes from the 24 hour period. So over the last 24 hours, an average of 51% of the Ethereum blocks are now fully in control of the IMF, the World Economic Forum, and the rest of anybody who has anything connected to OFAC, which would be the, you know, BIS, Federal Reserve, the European Central Bank, blah, 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 blah. Is this what you thought you were getting when you bought Ethereum or bought into the idea of Ethereum? Did you think about this? Did you think that they would be compliant with the office of foreign asset control? That means over 51% of the blocks are not servicing anything that had anything to do with tornado cash. Over 51% of the entire Ethereum chain is now fully in control of world government. Is this what you thought was going to happen when you bought your first Ethereum or your first Ether? Is this what you were told from Vitalik Buterin was going to happen? Did you have any idea in your wildest imaginings that they would fucking collapse like a cheap suit this quickly after the merge? No, you probably didn't. I didn't. I didn't really think it would be this fast. I knew it was inevitable, but I had no idea that they would drift down the river this far, this fast, with the consequences being as dire as they are in today's times. If you own Ether and you have any ethical responsibility about you whatsoever, get rid of it. I don't care if you donate it. You can turn it into actual Bitcoin would be my choice, but I don't, I literally don't care. However it is that you divest yourself of this unholy matrimony between, quote unquote, blockchain and world government, I, I just don't care how you do it. i don't I don't think you want to have this anywhere close to you is what is what I think. But that's what I think. Here's what futures and commodities from CNBC thinks. Oil taking it in the nuts, man. West Texas Intermediate is down a little bit over four percent back down. To $85.45 a barrel. Brent North Sea likewise down three and a third point to $91.42. Natural gas is down a full four and a half to six dollars and forty-four cents per thousand cubic feet. Gasoline down just a bit over three percent to two dollars and sixty-two cents. All of your shiny metal rocks are having a horrible day. Gold down 1.78% to $1,647. Silver just getting manhandled, dude. Down a four and a quarter points to $18.11. Platinum is down scant. Copper is down a full point. Palladium is your biggest loser of the day. Five and a half points to the downside. Agricultural futures or ag is all down. Except for sugar, which is up 0.05%. Biggest loser so far is wheat, 3.47% to the downside. Followed on its heels, uh, cotton, 2.03% to the downside. The Dow, they're all having a day on the index. 1.26% to the downside. S&P down 2.1%. NASDAQ down 2.7%. S&P mini, whoo, down 2.26%. Yikes. Bitcoin however is fairly, faring fairly well. $19,336. So yesterday if you didn't notice we gained we went down to 18,000, we gained it all back and then we uh, touched with a 1,000 with another $1,000 candle right to the bottom end of 20K. And then we fell. We have fallen back down to $19,336. That is after a mere 289,000 transactions have occurred in Bitcoin in the last 24 hours. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I misread the number. 1.8 million Bitcoin have been sent in the last 24 hours. Uh, 6.38 BTC is the average transaction value. Median transaction value is 0.023 BTC. Pretty stable. Uh, that's $452. And now block times turn hideously low. Eight minutes and 34 seconds. With 0.09 BTC taking in fees on a per block basis and 15 and a half BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24-hour period. With a 10.96% jump in hash rate, uh, we are at 265 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator, Dogecoin, is at 5.9 United States pennies. We have 2,305 transactions waiting on five blocks to clear. We have a $369.3 billion market cap that's 3.4% of gold's entire market cap, and you can now get 11.8 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,178,967.17 of, and 4,996.3 of those are in the Lightning Network, valued at $96.2 million, being run over 17,210 nodes with 83,916 payment channels, and we've dropped Tor capacity again. We are down to 68.6% of the Lightning Network being run over Tor nodes. Uh, Not terribly long ago, ladies and gentlemen, that that number was at 75% and we're at 68.6%. That's gonna do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Crypto trading firm Nydig has laid off a third of its staff. The bear market continues. The troubles caused by Duquan and his band of miscreants and all the rest of the parasites that glommed onto him uh, still feeling the effects like I told you that we would. This is Coindesk and it is being written by, who's writing it? Who's writing it? Tracy Wang. Eliza Gritsky and Danny Nelson, again, from uh, Coindesk. Bitcoin services company, NYDIG, has laid off around 100 people, according to four people familiar with the matter. The firm has cut approximately 30% of its staff in the past several weeks, according to three people familiar with the matter. The layoffs have been going on for several weeks, one person added. The Wall Street Journal first reported the layoffs late Thursday, putting the figure at 110 employees, quote, It's like a trading desk mentality where nobody talks to anyone. You can disappear and nobody will know for months, a former NYDIG employee told Coindesk. A spokesperson for NYDIG previously declined to comment. Oh, come on, guys. In late 2021, NYDIG raised $1 billion in funding to build an institutional-grade Bitcoin platform. The platform was expected to connect to banks and credit unions, bringing unprecedented Bitcoin access to large swathes of retail banking customers. The company branded the campaign Bitcoin for All, but since NYDIG's fundraise, the crypto market has soured. Yes, we know. The price of Bitcoin fell to under $20,000 a coin, a 70% decline from its November 2021 all-time high of about $67,500. Quote, NYDIG put all of their eggs in this banking strategy, but they realized that there was no way that these banks were ready. They blew through all this money, telling a story that they would bring Bitcoin to the masses. Their core strategy was blundered, the former employee told Coindesk. The layoffs also come amid leadership shuffles. In early October, the company announced CEO Robert Gutman and President Yan Zhao would be stepping down and returning to Stone Ridge Holdings Group, the parent company of NYDIG. Teha Shah and Nate Conrad, both executives at NIDEG, would take over as CEO and president respectively. Gutman and Zhao are both co-founders of Stone Ridge an alternative asset manager that specializes in niche investment strategies, including weather reinsurance and drug royalties. Uh, I really hate to hear this about NIDIG. I really wanted them really was hoping that they would be one of the shining candles in the fucking night. And it kind of looks to me like shit's going south for them as well. I'm telling you, man, This whole Terra ecosystem thing has done a lot more damage than I think people really appreciate because yes, we, we all saw the collapse of Celsius and three arrows, capital and Terra and Luna and all of the kind of crap. Yet what, you know, and that was huge. Uh, Don't get me wrong. I mean, that was, you know, that was bad enough, but these undercurrents, I mean, it's like, it's like dropping a meteorite into the Pacific ocean. You know, you're going to get waves radiating out in, in places you never even thought of, like deep, deep, deep ocean currents changing the way that they actually flow through the ocean because of this gigantic mass that was dropped in the middle of it. Right. Same thing here. I mean, Nidig is affected like everybody else. This is a bear market. There's, you know, it took us a while to come to grips in terms with the fact that we were indeed in a bear market. But yeah, this is, this is as bad of a bear market as I've ever experienced. You know, I bought, you know, when I was first getting into Bitcoin, it was at the bottom of the bear market in 2015. And I saw it do nothing but rise. And then I got to 20,000 and then it crashed. And I got into my first actual bear market because When you buy in at the bottom of a bear market, you are not in the bear market. You're not, because this is your first exposure. Now, you got to get a high and then have a 70 or 80% drop in value of your investment before you are firmly entrenched into a bear market. So that was my first bear market, and it was nothing like this. The percentage drop in value was essentially the same. But I didn't see this many people going under and especially people that have raised this much money start tanking this bad. This is a very bad tank for NYDIG and that's too bad again, because I was hoping that they would be a nice shiny candle in the night, but man it just goes to show contagion sucks. That's why you don't bring legacy financial thinking into Bitcoin. But nobody's going to listen to me. So this shit's going to continue. Binance, however, has launched a $500 million lending pool for Bitcoin miners because what? They didn't learn shit either. This is out of uh, Decrypt.co, Z Wang, Binance, the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange, has unveiled a $500 million lending pool for Bitcoin miners as a combination of energy costs, low Bitcoin prices, and higher than ever mining difficulty strains the sector. The company said its Binance Pool project was designed to provide secure debt financing services to both public and private blue chip Bitcoin mining and digital asset infrastructure companies globally borrowers will have access to loans on an 18 to 24 month term with interest rates ranging from a mere 5% all the way up to a gobsmacking 10%. That's getting close to usury levels, man. They will also have to offer collateral in the form of mining hardware or cryptocurrency that will have to be deemed satisfactory to Binance. Binance's moves makes sense in the current industry context as it has become more and more difficult for miners to turn a profit last month alone compute north filed for bankruptcy Isis or iris energy sold 100 million dollars in equity to generate cash compass mining shut down its georgia operations and one of the largest bitcoin mining pools poolin froze withdrawals mining difficulty has also just hit an all-time high, meaning miners need even more resources to continue to turn a profit. The network's difficulty rose 14% to a new all-time high of 35.6 trillion. This means miners need to go through that many hashes or guesses to produce the cryptographic string that earns it the right to add the next block of transactions to the chain. Soaring energy costs have made Bitcoin's mining operations significantly more expensive to run as well, especially as the world's largest cryptocurrency still relies on energy-intensive proof-of-work validation models. Oh, come on. Ethereum's recent switch to proof-of-stake, which dramatically lowered the network's energy usage, looks mighty savvy in the current energy landscape. I'm going to pause to tell you to fuck off. Not you. You're fine. No, no, no. Who's writing this one again? Is this hold on. Z Wang can fuck straight off. This is bullshit. Why? I just told you at the beginning of running the numbers that over 51% of all Ethereum blocks are now OFAC compliant, which means they are 100% owned by world governments. Okay. The people that do not like you, they do indeed hate you and they certainly want you to die. You are the carbon they are trying to reduce, and it makes it harder for them to reduce that carbon if that carbon holds on to money that has value, because it imparts yet more value to the human chunk of carbon that holds it. And here we have this dickhead saying that that was a savvy move. No, it's you got captured. Only proof of work has a hope in hell of not being captured like Ethereum was so easily captured just a few weeks ago. It's just sick. God, it's sick. It's just sick, 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 sick. Let's continue. Miners have been hit especially hard by the bear market with mining revenue down almost 60% from the start of the year, according to blockchain.com. And with Bitcoin sitting at year lows of $19,615, miners are increasingly turning to credit lines to stay afloat and remain profitable in the hopes of weathering this crypto winter. Indeed, Binance isn't the only company getting into lending to miners. At the start of the month, Maple Finance announced a $300 million lending facility for troubled Bitcoin miners, although at up to 20% interest rates, that is usury. 20% 20% is absolute usury. Sydney Powell, Maples Finance's uh, co-founder and CEO, told Decrypt at Masari Mainnet 2022 that miners have little choice when it comes to choosing a lender as traditional banks have often been skittish about doing business with crypto firms. Well, of course they have. Um, this is not gonna end well. This is not good. This is how contagion of the man dying in the hospital bed gets transferred to the nurse that's trying to service the man that's dying of some kind of weird communicable disease in the hospital bed. This doesn't end well. I can already tell you that this does not, it's not going to help the miners and it's going to put Binance in a situation where they're going to be able to scoop up cheap ass uh, mining equipment for their own mining operations. If they, if they, I can't remember if Binance does any appreciable mining or not, but this is one way to basically get a hold of your mining equipment is like, you put it up as collateral because you need the cash to operate. You're probably in this particular environment because God only knows how long this shit lasts. You're going to lose your miners and you're going to give them to Binance. And they're, you know, or God forbid you put up your Bitcoin, they're going to get that shit too. Don't do it. See, this all goes back to my theory that we cannot seem to separate ourselves as humans from the legacy financial thought. We just seem to never get it. We're not learning from the mistakes of the past. If you're going to build a mining company, then it's probably proper for you to understand that what you think you can get out of it, you put that at 100%. And then you make damn sure that you don't do anything about realizing those expectations over 10%. That way you don't get fucking hosed. These guys they are gonna get hosed. This lending shit against miners and cryptocurrency needs to stop or at least be curtailed, but. N- Binance isn't gonna do that. They're gonna put out the biggest carrot on the longest stick they can find. They don't care because why? They are still mired in legacy financial thought. Don't be fooled. Kraken, Binance, even BitMEX. At least BitMEX had the, had the honor of being completely transparent about how degrading They were being to their customers. And what I mean by that was allowing hundred X leverage on fucking trades. At least they were transparent. At least they were like, you want to be a D gen, you come on over. No, not, not, not now. You know, that was back in the day. That was back in the day when we could all have fun. And if you really wanted to be that kind of a DGN, more power to you. But nobody, nobody felt bad for your ass when you lost on hundred X leverage. You know, Arthur Hayes, the guy that started BitMEX, he sure as shit didn't care. He was probably laughing all the way to the bank, but at least he was honest about it. This lending stuff, this lending stuff is toxic. It's radioactive. If you have any plans at all to do this, trade, you know, collateralize your BTC for a fiat cash loan, I implore you to not do it. Please stay as far away from this shit as you possibly can. It's just Toxic. <clears throat> Speaking of toxic, Tether eliminates commercial paper from its reserves in transparency push. Matt DeSalvo, again from decrypt.co. Tether has completely eliminated commercial paper from its reserves. The largest stablecoin announced the milestone today in a blog post that it would replace those investments with United States Treasury bills. <laughs> commercial paper is unsecured short term debt issued by a corporation. Tether had previously said that it would reduce its commercial paper holdings and has gradually done so this year. Tether, which issues the world's most traded cryptocurrency, USDT, has been criticized by regulators for not being clear enough about what makes up its reserves that backs the token. The company said today's move will help address that concern. Quote, this announcement comes as part of Tether's ongoing efforts to increase transparency with investor protection at the core of the management of Tether's reserves, reducing commercial paper to zero demonstrates Tether's commitment to backing its tokens with the most secure reserves in the market, the company's blog post said. USDT runs on a number of different blockchains and as the most traded cryptocurrency, it is considered by many to be the backbone of the crypto economy. Stablecoins, which are typically pegged to the US dollar, are important for crypto traders since they are used to enter and exit trades for other cryptocurrencies quickly and without the need for access to hard cash. Earlier this year, rumors circulated that a portion of Tether's commercial paper portfolio was 85% backed by Chinese or Asian commercial paper and being traded at a 30% discount. But Tether denied this, claiming the rumors were fabricated to induce further panic in order to generate additional profits from an already stressed market. Well, of course, they said that. Um, I don't see any proof of this, but let's say it's 100% true. United States Treasury bills. Really in this market, I mean, in the very, very short term. Yeah, yeah, I could see it, but it's so volatile out there that they risk turning a stable coin into volatile coin. Mark my words, dude It's probably not going to end well. Who knows though, who knows? I'm not here to FUD tether because I don't use it. It seems like it works okay. I, if I got to be honest with myself, it seems that it works okay, but I wouldn't touch it with the 10 foot pole, but I don't need to. So it's easy for me to say that. Now, this one from Crypto Potato author, Felix Mullen, MetaMask to let users buy cryptocurrencies directly from their bank accounts. Let me repeat that. MetaMask to let us users buy cryptocurrencies directly from their bank accounts. You know, this brings up something that I remember in the past. What could it be? Oh yes, from Bleeping Computer, hackers steal $655,000 after picking MetaMask seed from iCloud backups. If you don't remember that, that was back in April of this same year. You see where I'm going with this? Let's get to the article that I was reading before from Crypto Potato. MetaMask continues to push for leadership in the cryptocurrency wallet industry, offering new tools that make it easier for users to lose their money. Oh, I'm sorry, I mean, purchase crypto. On October the 13th, Sardine, a financial platform, fuck, what is with the food? This all started two years ago or like the summer two years ago, like with SushiSwap and food and pineapple coin and what's going, whatever. Sardine, a financial platform offering instant ACH settlements, confirmed a partnership with Consensus to allow MetaMask users in the United States to purchase cryptocurrencies with their bank accounts from the wallet's UI. This would be the latest partnership announced by MetaMask. Before this one, the web wallet revealed an association with Asset Realty uh, or Reality to help users recover their stolen cryptocurrencies for free. For Sardine, the partnership would be one more achievement on its roadmap. Recently, the team raised five, ooh, $51.5 million in a Series B funding, led by the crypto-friendly venture capital firm A16Z and backed by other big names in the industry like Visa and Google. Consensus, the blockchain company behind MetaMask, also participated in Sardine's funding round, of course they did, eating their own dog food as it were, to use the new instant ACH payments, payments option. MetaMask users must comply with Sardine's mandatory KYC process, which is available in 48 states. Hawaii and New York will be admitted soon. To combat scams and electronic fraud, Sardine set a purchase limit of up to $3,000 per day, $5,000 per week, and $25,000 per month for more than 30 tokens, which were not disclosed in the release. Honestly, that's all we really need to know. This thing goes on. What I'm... What I'm trying to bring to you in talking about this is that, again, MetaMask, MetaMask is, at at this very, very beginning, it was about an Ethereum wallet. And essentially it still is an Ethereum wallet. When they say 30 tokens, I'm pretty sure they're talking about ERC-20 and ERC-721 tokens, okay? Those are both, criteria tokens based on Ethereum's blockchain and the Ethereum token itself. It was a way to build new tokens, but still be on the Ethereum blockchain. All right. So there's where MetaMask came from. MetaMask has been fraught with difficulties. I just told you that back in April, a scammer was able to fish seeds out of somebody's iCloud and steal $655,000 worth of whatever from that individual. And now MetaMask, which is very unsafe, is going to allow you to connect MetaMask directly through ACH to your bank account. Please, for the love of God, don't. Just don't. Read MetaMask, read the history of MetaMask. Just, I don't know, Google MetaMask hacks. And 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 go back to when MetaMask first came around, which I think was somewhere 2016, something like that. It's been a shit show for that thing. And it never really ever got better. The only thing that the, that got quote unquote better about it is that they added more tokens, which were basically more ways for you to get scammed. Please don't connect a MetaMask wallet to your bank account. Okay, okay. Now, last one of the day, Blockworks, uh, who's writing it? Uh, Ben Strack, Marathon CEO, building more attractive than buying right now, according to him. Through consolidation, or those consolidation of crypto miners is likely imminent, and it is. Marathon Digital's chief executive said mergers and acquisitions are likely to play out between the segment's smaller players. Quote, The equity markets aren't getting any looser. The debt markets aren't getting any cheaper. And you see some of the deals miners are doing for financing are pretty expensive, Marathon CEO, Fred Thiel told Blockworks, but for the largest Bitcoin mining companies with ample cash reserves and up-to-date new machinery, Thiel added, it's more prudent in many cases to build than it is to buy. Many mining companies raised money during the bull run late last year to ink power agreements and order containers. Expecting to raise more money for machines, miners saw capital markets start to close, leaving them with unused hosting capacity. Other companies built out third-party hosting capacity, expecting higher growth that ultimately fell far short of their projections. Quote, we're getting a lot of phone calls, Teal said companies who before were just considering self-mining are now having to actively look at offering up hosting capacity to a third party. We're starting to see more and more attractive deals." Teal and other industry executives have pointed to the price of new machines, which has plummeted in recent months as rationale to continue building uh, not buying. HUT 8 mining CEO Jamie Leverton said during a panel at BlockWorks Digital Asset Summit in New York last month that asset-based M&A deals with other firms can be tricky as a result. Quote, if you paid 70 or 80 bucks per terahash for your equipment and you've got some leverage on that, I'm not going to take your debt for overpriced machines when I can just buy machines straight up for 20 to $25 per terahash, Leverton said. Frank Holmes, executive chair for Hive Bitcoin uh, Blockchain Technologies, told BlockWorks last month that his firm is set to evaluate buys of equipment and potentially mining firms over the next six months. Consolidation. Energy prices, a top concern for all miners, are hitting certain companies in the space particularly hard. As we get through this winter, the consolidation and the kind of cleansing that will happen, it will be very clear which businesses are professionally run and well-financed And which ones aren't, he said. Marathon posted a net loss of $192 million during the second quarter and is set to report its third quarter earnings next month. The company said on October 8th that its fleet of 57,000 machines represents a capacity of roughly 5.7 exahashes per second. An additional 19,000 miners amounting to 2 exahashes per second are expected to come online in the next 30 days. Teal told Blockworks the company seeks to hit roughly 13 exahashes by the end of 2022 and 23, by mid-2023. Quote, hosting has all been contracted. The machines have all been ordered and pretty much all paid for and are scheduled inbound. Stuff can happen, but at this point, they're are no gating items that I'm aware of, said the Marathon CEO. Teal last month said, uh, last month's bankruptcy filings by Compute North, one of Marathon's hosting providers, is not expected to impact, impact Marathon's growth targets. The entities associated with the King Mountain and Wolf Hollow mining sites in Texas are not directly subject to the bankruptcy process, he added. The court already gave Compute North permission to continue operating as it prepares to auction assets in the coming weeks and months to pay down its debt. Uh, Even after this, we expect Marathon to continue to be allowed to operate at the data centers given the value of the operations is almost solely driven by miners actually mining. Marathon invested $10 million in Compute North via Convertible Preferred Stock. It also loaned the company $21.3 million and has paid the hosting provider roughly $50 million in operating deposits. Quote, We don't see any issues with the deposits at this point. The loan that we have to them, uh, we'll see how the bankruptcy all shakes out and what we end up with, Teal said. As Marathon continues adding miners to its U.S. sites, Teal said the company is also looking to continue to build relationships as well as new mining sites internationally, naming Latin America and the Middle East as potential targets. Oh, could you imagine mining in the heat of the Middle East? Yikes. Quote, there's a lot of stranded energy in parts of the world where energy is very inexpensive and where regime risk is fairly low. And so we're definitely exploring that. We think Texas is reaching a point where there's a lot of mining in Texas and people do not need to start looking at other places. Hell yeah, I agree. And I'm a Texan and I'm all for Texas doing mining, but I'm more for Bitcoin mining being decentralized. I don't want to see it all end up in Texas. I want them to go someplace else. Although, honestly, the Middle East probably some cooler places that, you know, you can mine at. Anyway, that's going to do it for what is now the afternoon roundup. I hope you guys have a really, really good weekend. Uh, you know, the bear market is going to continue. It's just going to continue, um, you know, Somehow or another, people keep saying that, I thought Bitcoin was supposed to be detached from the uh, stock market. And in a way, it kind of is. Bitcoin right now seems to be trading more like a commodity. It seems to be following commodities more than it does the actual stock market. I may be completely wrong on that, but just be aware. This is just going to continue. Why? Because the contagion isn't, isn't extinguished yet. We're going to see it roll three or four times around the world. You know, as it rolls over the world, it gets less and less in amplitude, but the waves are still there. This lending fiasco is what I'm referring to it now, has done more damage than Terra Luna, right? The Terra Luna ecosystem collapsing was, honestly, it was all attached to this idea of lending Loans, collateralized debt instruments. It's the same shit that is in the legacy financial system. And every time you see it, you should just buy Bitcoin and hold Bitcoin. And I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.